0: Hello there, this is Dr. Alan Hedberg again, and uh, you're listening to The Psychology Report. You know, before I get into my topic today, I just want to remind you that uh, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, that's Saturday, tomorrow morning is 10 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, I will have my next television broadcast on Dr. Teach Me to Parent. I would invite you and would actually appreciate your listening and being part of my audience. So, just go to Central Valley Talk, Central Valley Talk.com. It's on the internet, and Central Valley Just go there, you'll get the station, and then plug in my program, Dr. Teach Me to Parent, 10 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, which would be April 16, 2017. Okay? So, I'd be glad to have you join me. Now, Today I'd like to address a um, issue that um, we have to deal with in our culture. We have to deal with in our society and within our homes and in our own personal life. How do you get right thinking in a world that's gone wrong? How do you think right while living in a world that's gone wrong? You know, there's no doubt that our world is complex. The world is very much unraveling. The world is presenting... So many options to people that it's not only confusing but frustrating and creates a sense of distress and a sense of anger and a sense of, uh, of aggressiveness as, as a reaction pattern to it all. So we're in a world that's gone wrong. And how do you get yourself online? How do you get yourself to live above it? Not to be swallowed up in it. Not to be part of the wrong, but be part of the Right and um the right way of thinking, so you know a few years back, I gave a uh, noontime speech or an address to a rotary club and uh, at the end of my speech, I uh, was given a little present, a little prize, if you will, or a little uh way to recognize my speech and appreciate what I had done, the time that I had given to them and um It was like a little paperweight. And uh, the paperweight was just kind of a way of um, uh, putting on your desk and holding paper down in case they would blow away with a window breeze or the fan or whatever it might be. But on that paperweight, which is made of plastic, there were four principles. There were four ways of thinking. And it was called the Rotary Four-Way Test. Now, there's a long story to that particular Uh, motto, if you will, uh, as part of the rotary system, but um, it was a four-way test. How do you test your thinking? How do you test yourself? How do you put yourself on the line when you want to think straight, you want to think right in a world that's gone wrong? Let me walk you through the four principles that were uh, given to me on that particular paperweight, and I still have it, still use it many years later, this is the four-way test. If you're going to do something, if you're going to buy something, if you're going to go somewhere, if you're going to invest some money, if you're going to do something with a person, if you're going to take an invitation, you're going to uh, uh, invite somebody to do something with you, if you're going to enter into a new type of a contract or a new kind of a job or a new kind of investment or involvement of some kind, uh you going to build a new relationship, a new friendship, you know, whatever it might be. You're on the brink of doing something new or something different. You need to ask yourself four questions, okay? Here are the four questions. Number one, is it the truth? Is it the truth? In other words, whatever I get involved in, if I were to move forward, am I moving forward into truth? Am I moving forward into uh, objectivity and rationality that's truthful? Or am I moving into a relationship or into an event that is built on falseness and falsehoods and lies and schemes? You know, you want to make sure that whatever you move forward on something that's an opportunity, that it's the truth that you're walking into. It's the truth that you're espousing. It's the truth that you're claiming. It's the truth that is going to become part of you as you become part of that particular activity or organization or event or whatever it might be. Okay, is it the truth? That's number one. The second test of the four-way test is, is it fair? Is it fair to all concerns? In other words, whatever the object is, whatever the event is, whatever the statement is, or whatever the belief is, or whatever the philosophy is, whatever the uh, approach is that you're going to be entering into, is it fair to everybody? Does everyone have a fair shake? Or is it only fair to the people at the top and unfair to the people at the bottom? Is it fair only to women but not to men? Is it fair only to men and not to women? Is it fair to older children but not to younger children? You know, whatever you do, there needs to be a sense of fairness and a fairness for all concerns. You need to look at that and make sure that your involvement, your uh, espousing some particular point of view, Or becoming part of some program, or some philosophy, or some political system, or some thought pattern, or some religion, or whatever it might be. Is it fair to all concerned? Okay, that's number two. Number three. Will it build goodwill? And will it make better friendships? Okay, whatever you do. Is it going to create a goodwill among the people within that particular organization or particular system or particular activity or, you know, wherever you are, whatever you are going to be doing? The people involved, is it, does it build goodwill among people? Does it make them feel good? Does it make them feel better? Does it make them feel stronger? Does it make them feel worthy and respected? Is there goodwill? Is there fairness and goodwill? Is it People being treated fairly and being treated honorably but will it also build friendships? You see, it's okay to be part of an organization, but you want to have an organization in which people in it are friends. Now, they don't have to be the best friends, they don't have to be lifetime friends, but that there's a sense of friendship that prevails within that group of people that you're becoming part of. Even in a dating relationship, first of all, you become friends. That's first. In any dating relationship, You've got to start with friendship. And if you don't have friendship, there will it will go nowhere. It will be a, a relationship set for disaster. So there has to be that sense of are we good friends and are we have a good will one towards the other. That's how you date. But that's how you enter into a lot of different kind of relationships and organizations and things that you become part of. Make sure that all your relationships, all your activities, all your new involvements have that element of goodwill among each other, and a issue of better friendships within. And then here's the fourth test. Will it be beneficial to all concerned? In other words, will people benefit? Will people profit? Will people uh, gain? You know, will all people benefit, or will only certain people benefit? It's like an investment. If only some people benefit and other people don't, that's not a good investment. Same with your time. If some people benefit from that relationship or from that activity or from that club or organization, but other people don't benefit, it's not worthy. In other words, will it be beneficial to all parties concerned? That's the issue. So that's the four-way test of the rotary. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And will it be beneficial to all concerned? Now, that's, those are very important questions to ask. Anytime you're ready to venture into a new relationship or a new activity or organization of some kind, you're going to buy something or you're going to go somewhere or you're going to do something of a major proportion, ask yourself those four questions, okay? I have found them to be helpful myself. Now, let me move on. There are some principles about uh, daily living. There are some principles about how we shall live. That's also important. And uh, not just necessarily questions, but what are the principles by which a person should live? You know, we have this phrase, that is a principled person. You know, that's a, and that's a person that lives by principle. It lives by a set of guidelines, a set of rules, if you will. As they say, a standard that they maintain and that they honor and they live that way. That's what principles are. And are you a person of principle? Do you live by principle? Do you live by principles? Yeah, that's really the question. And if you don't, this is a good opportunity to rethink that. It's a good opportunity to look at some of the principles by which you could live and organize your life and change your life. This is really profound and you need to listen to it in considerable uh, attention and detail because when you say these are the principles for living in today's world so that you come out at the end in a successful but a happy and a pleasant and a satisfied manner and you've done good for people and you've done well for your relationships, you've done well for your marriage, you've done well for your family, you've done well for your community, you've done well for your church, you've done well for your future. What are the principles by which you should live and shall live and could live and must live, should live? Okay? What are they? Well, let me give you a couple of them, okay? Number one, what is called the edification principle. Now, the edification principle is this. Will the activity that you engage in on a day to day basis produce good? Will it produce kind of a divine or kind of a spiritual or religious benefit for yourself and for others. You see, people must benefit from what you do, must gain from your involvements and your activities and your relationships with them. Do you edify other people? Do you edify organizations? Do you edify God? Do you edify your own faith, your own spiritual faith by how you live? So how you live, whatever activities you engage in, Will it produce a benefit, a religious benefit, particularly? Okay, number two, what is called the enslavement principle. Now, the enslavement principle is very simple. Will what you do, the activity in which you engage, the organizations with which you associate and to which you belong, will it lead to a sense of bondage? Will people take control of your life? And you will live under bondage of somebody else's power and influence and strength. Even in a marriage, if you're entering into a marriage, is that marriage going to be one of bondage? In other words, is one person going to control the other person, take charge of the other person, determine what shall be and what shall not be? That's bondage. Bondage is like an addiction. It owns you. You don't have any choice. You don't have any say-so. It's like you just operate on the basis of a um, predetermined Uh, rule or pattern of behavior or whatever that might be. So it's the enslavement principle. Don't become enslaved by what you do and the organizations with which you associate and the people with whom you belong and and associate. You don't want a sense of bondage, a sense of addiction, a sense of control. When that's the case, walk away and walk away quickly. Okay, Number three, what is called the exposure principle. That is, will the activity expose your mind, will expose your body to good or to evil, if you will, to de- for growth and development and positive uh, experiences, or will it expose your mind and your body to defilement? In other words, are you exposing yourself? Are you associating yourself? Are you becoming part of another person's life that's going to not only control you, and enslave you. but It's going to be detrimental to your mind and to your body. It's going to defile your mind and your body. Drugs would be an excellent example of that. You expose yourself to the drug culture. You expose yourself to the marijuana uh, now becoming available across the country and the freedoms that people think about when they think about marijuana. Will that expose your mind? Will that expose your body to defilement? Well, the evidence, the research says yes, it will. And you better look at that. Is that the way you want to live? you want to be defiled? Do you want to be compromised? Do you want to be diminished as a person in your abilities to think and to be creative and to be intellectual and to be contributing and positive and helpful? Or you just want to be defiled by just being a victim and being one that is uh, put down and become a downcast, you know, so to speak. Okay, that's that's number three. Now, what about number four? What is called the esteem principle. The esteem principle is, will this activity, or will these people benefit you? Or will it cause you to stumble? Will it cause you to fail? Will it cause you to be uh, inadequate? Will it cause you to be depressed? Will it cause you to be more anxious and nervous than it should? In other words, whatever the activity, whatever the group of person, people, and whatever the involvement you have, they should benefit you, but they should benefit all the other people as well, but not cause anybody to stumble. Causing somebody to stumble is just a matter of causing them to get into trouble of some kind, to get into a kind of a uh, uncomplimentary kind of behavior pattern that's going to backfire and going to work against them you know, in the future. You want benefit from the things you do. You want to build up your own self-esteem. You want to build up your, the esteem of other people. You want other people to think of you in a, in a positive, respectful, honorable way. And you want to think of other people that are part of that same association in a respectful and honorable way. Not to stumble, but to be respectful and to be built up, to be strengthened. Okay, that's number four. Number five is this, the religious principle. The religious principle in living as well. Will the activity in which you get yourself involved, will it cause the church to be looked upon negatively? Will it cause people who are religious to be diminished and to be looked upon in a very uncomplimentary manner? You see? Whatever you do, whatever you are involved in, if it's anti-religious, it's probably something to be avoided. Now, you may not be a highly religious person yourself. On the other hand, you may be. But even if you're not, why would you want to be a part of an association that is anti-religious? Why would you want to take a religion, whether it's Catholic or whether it's the Protestant religion or it's the Jewish or you know, whatever it might be, why would you want to take that approach, and put that religion down, and put that religion to a questionable uh, position in life, you know, God works through a lot of different ways, and it's to build up the faith, to build up those in the faith, and to build up those that attend church, and they'll build up those that practice a faith and a religious faith, to build them up, not to put them down. Okay, that's a religious principle. Honor religions even if you're not a particularly religious person. Religion is something to be honored and be sacred and to be seen as sacred and to be honorable in your relationships with those that associate with that particular religion. And now number six, the ethics principle. The ethics principle. Will the activity that you engage in, with the people with whom you associate, with the organization with which you become involved, Will it violate your personal conscience? Will it violate your thinking of what is right and what is wrong? What is good and what is bad? What is wholesome and what is detrimental? The ethics principle, is right, even when nobody is looking. Doing what is right, even when you have options to do what is wrong, it's choosing the right thing to do, the honorable thing to do, the proper thing to do, the respected thing to do the expected thing to do. Do what is honorable in the sight of other people, in the sight of God, in the sight of, of your own self and those that associate with you. Be an ethical person. Be one that upholds goodness and rightness and properness in your decision-making, in your choices, in your lifestyle. You know, Don't take advantage of people. Don't take advantage of people who are weak. Don't take advantage of people who are poor. Don't take advantage of people who Don't have very much and can argue, they're not as smart as you, or they don't have as much money as you, and they're more vulnerable, they're more weak, they're more subject to control. Pass that opportunity up. Honor those people rather than to take advantage of them. And then here's the last principle called the exaltation principle. In other words, will this activity that you're thinking about bring glory? Will it bring honor? Will it bring uh, goodness? to other people, and to yourself? Will it lift you up? Will it lift others up? Will it lift, others, will it lift up other institutions? You know, Will it lift up the church? Will it lift up people who are part of the church? Will it lift up people who are part of a political system, if you will? Will it lift up people who are part of some social organization, or whatever it might be? In other words, the exaltation principle is to do what will be good for yourself and be good for others, and will bring glory, will bring an uplift, will bring a kind of a sense of goodness, and a sense of honor, and a sense of appreciation, you know, to other people as well as to yourself. You act in a way that will exalt you, and will exalt others at all times. So in other words, we live in a world that's gone wrong. We live in a world that's stressed, and you need to do the right thing. You need to think right. Right in the world that's gone wrong, you need to think right in a girl in a world that's stressed out, you need to think right in a world that's going unraveled, you say. part of it is you think right when you start having some principles to go by, some principles to live by, some principles to guide your thinking, but also to guide your decision making, and to guide your choices, and your preferences, and, the, and where you associate, and with whom you associate, and with those with whom you do not associate, those kind of choices, Think of the four-way test. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerns? Will it build goodwill and better friendships? And will it be beneficial to all concerns? So there's the rotary four test, and then there's the seven principles for living that I've just identified and articulated. And I think this is an opportunity of a lifetime is to sit back and to think and and to claim a principle by which you're going to live bring it into your life, bring it into your sphere of daily experience and daily choices and then add to them and sharpen your thinking and ask yourself these kind of questions and guide your life and guide your decision making by these kind of principles by which you can live. You know, you're not only going to live more successfully and be more productive and you're going to obviously benefit from a lot of different ways. Quality of life will be better, economics will be better, relationships will be better, you'll marry in a better way you'll enhance relationships to the family and your marriage, it would just be better if you start living by principle than by whim or by just habit or the way that you were raised as a child by your parents who didn't have many any principles, they didn't think that way. You don't live according to what it was. You live according to the way that it should be and shall be and could be. And that's living and thinking right in a world that's gone wrong. Hey, good to have you with me today, and uh, once again, let me just remind you, tomorrow, April the 16th, 10 o'clock in the morning, Pacific Standard Time, I will do my next television show entitled, Doctor, Teach Me to Parent. So if you're a parent, or you know a parent, tune in. We're going to talk about potholes that parents fall them into. We're going to talk about the phantom fathers among us. We're going to talk about rules in the home. So, we got a full schedule. Join me. 10 o'clock in the morning is for an hour. Get a cup of coffee. Sit down and go to centralvalleytalk.com. centralvalleytalk.com online and you can pick me up there and I'll be glad to have you as part of my audience tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. And, just remember, I've said this before, the Pompeii Foundation needs your assistance. They work with children who cannot develop their muscles of their chest and their mid-body because they can't convert into sugar from the glycogen. So they need that for the strength. And the foundation is a foundation that raises money to help these kids and develop research and develop ways that these kids can live better. So send them some money, will you? Go to the Pompei Foundation, P-O-M-P-E, PompeiFoundation.com. And you can see their program there and Send them a few bucks. It'd be kind of a nice thing for you to do, especially now over Easter. Hey, nice to have you with me. Bye for now.